When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the latest edition of the First Down Snapcast. I'm your host Richard Butler and joining me tonight we have former two-time Super Bowl champion, back-to-back Super Bowl champion with the New England Patriots and former first round draft pick Tyrone Poole. How are you doing? Uh, doing excellent. Yourself? Uh, not too bad, not too bad. Loving the um, background picture there. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Excellent. Well, I'll get cracking straight into it, Tara, so that took too much of your time. Awesome. Excellent. Um, so I was doing a bit of investigating into your career and stuff and trying to dig in and find some interesting stats, what sometimes don't always come up. And I was looking into your time at Fort Valley during your college games, and I found out that you played in you started 41 of the 42 games, which you eligible for it while you were there at Fort Valley. Do you know why you didn't play new why you didn't start the other game? Why did I get to Fort Valley is what you're asking? Yeah so you played 42 you played 42 games at Fort Valley and you started 41 of them. So I was wondering why yes. you didn't start the other one if there was a particular reason. Oh no! I, I think uh, uh, there might have been an injury injury uh, that I probably didn't start. But um, but yes, I actually played at Fort Valley uh, from the time I stepped foot on campus until the last time I fastened that chin strap uh, to my helmet as a senior. So it must have been an injury that kept me from from participating and making it 42 out of 42. <laughs> it was going to say, it's a very impressive stat. Um, you had, your, some of your stats, what came up at Fort Valley, in, included 70 punt returns where you averaged 13 yards per punt. But within them 42 games, you averaged, you, you had a total of 17 interceptions when you returned them a total 262 yards. So you liked a good return on your punts. <laughs> uh, definitely. When I got the ball in my hands, 
<laughs> it was going to either. So, uh, you know, and not only did I do the you know, like the interceptions, the punt return, as you noted, uh, but just so many great things that I learned at Fort Valley. Um, uh, I was all American also at track and football. So it, it's kind of hard to be an all American in two sports. It's just like you have two sport uh, professional athletes. They play baseball and they play football. So I was a uh, an all American in track and field and football. And it's very rare you get athletes doing both at college because you normally got that much time with your studies and also then one sport to be an All-American in two sports. That's quite an achievement. Yeah, it is. It takes a lot of dedication and a lot of hard work uh, and just being passionate. Uh, but the one thing I did like about track and field and football, they both complemented one another. They, they, they complemented one another. Uh, football, of course, size, speed, and track and field is all about speed. So, so many times you have these young collegiate athletes that they want to go to the professional level. So the first thing they start to work on is their speed, their ability to get faster. So I am a very big advocate for two sports, multi-sport athletes. And I definitely believe track and field should be one of those sports if you can participate in it to do it because it's going to teach you the proper mechanics for sprinting, running. And I just love the fact that it's one-on-one -on -one track and field. It's me against you. And I'm going to get out of it what I put into it. You're going to get out of it what you put into it. Other than boxing, track and field is probably the purest one-on-one -on -one Imano versus Imano that I can think of. Yeah, it's um, interesting you say about the track and field because over like the last couple of months, I saw that DK Metcalf entered into US sprint track race, didn't he? He obviously missed out on qualification, but he's one of the current guys who likes to keep running and it sees it benefits his game. Yeah, definitely it, it does. And, and I think he has background, track background as is. And also what it's going to do, uh, it's going to allow him, uh, Richard, to increase his contract, you know, because, again, speed, as the old saying goes, there is no substitute. There is no substitute. I got to say it again. There is no substitute <laughs> for speed. <laughs> no, there definitely is. I, I don't know if you saw, did you see the um, clip last year when Seattle, I think Russell Wilson got picked off and Metcalf chased the Arizona Cardinals all the way back, didn't they? So if, if if you're gonna if you're gonna pick you're gonna pick Russell Wilson off, you want to be on the other side to DK Metcalf. <laughs> I know, right? Or you're gonna get run down. <laughs> yeah, you, you're not you're not doing a pick six against Seattle if he's on the field. If he's on the field, for, that's for sure. <laughs> so obviously, I had a great time at Fort Fort Valley. Amazing time, some great stats going into the um, draft. What were your hopes on where you'd like hope to land? Maybe a first round, second round. Well, how that works actually with me, uh, going to the bowl games, the senior bowl, which is one of the biggest bowl games uh, in collegiate football. It's basically all of the top seniors uh, across the country. So to go to that bowl game was very impactful. 
because I am a small school athlete. Not small school that's the sense that I can't play the game. It's just a small school compared to University of Georgia, uh, University of, of uh, USC, University of Texas. You know, here's Fort Valley State, a Division II HBCU uh, historical black college and universities. And here's this kid who, who basically has an opportunity to make a name for himself. So it was during the senior bowl that I really made a name for myself, going against these guys from these bigger schools and showing them, hey, you know what? We could play. We have talent on our level. And it's not about the size of the dog, as they would say in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the dog. So I had an opportunity to really show the scouts what I could do. And when I left that senior bowl, that was when I had the knowledge that I would be a first round draft pick. But going into the senior bowl, I was just glad to be there just to have an opportunity to show what I could do. And thank God uh, I did a very good job and went on to the combines and, and everything else is history, as they would say. Yeah. Obviously, that senior bowl, you mentioned there about Fort Valley being like a second division tier team. Obviously, you made an impressive game in that bowl. So obviously, it shows that you don't have to beat one of these big schools to play the game. You can, you fit, you slotted straight in and you were impressive, which was great. Yeah, and, and I like the fact, I always tell people, Richard, I always like to use the lion as an example uh, about life. Uh, and what I mean, I mean about that, it's all about the mentality. Now, when I say about the lion, or should I say the mentality that determines your success, it's not the environment, it's not any other factors, but the person that you look at every day in the mirror will determine how far you go. So I always like to use the lion as an example when I talk to people about this. The lion is considered the king of the jungle, okay? The eagle, the eagle is considered the king of flight, flight. There's no other bird that can fly as high as the eagle. But again, the lion is the king of the jungle. Now, the question is, why is the lion considered the king of the jungle? And again, all this goes back to, the, to the, what you just said, Richard, about Fort Valley being small, um, a small school, but doesn't have small talent. So the lion is not the tallest. The giraffe is taller. There are other animals that are taller. The lion is not the biggest. It's not the heaviest. The hippopotamus, the elephant outweigh the lions almost 50 times its weight. But why is it when the lion comes around an elephant just to pick an animal? The elephant looks at the lion and becomes scared. The lion looks at the elephant and it attacks it. Now, normally you would say, hold on, no lion. You're going up against something that is way bigger than you. But see, it's the lion's mentality that defeats the elephant. The elephant mentality is, even though this is a small cat, it's going to eat me up. And the lion doesn't look at the size. It says, I'm hungry. I'm ready to eat. An elephant, you just happen to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. So that's why I like to use the, uh, the lion as an example. The lion erases all the excuses that we have, no matter what you're trying to be, corporate America, sports, the lion erases all doubt and all excuses that you got to be smart enough. 
because there are animals that are supposed to be smarter than the elephant, but the uh, lion. And of course, I just described animals that are bigger. So the lion erases all the excuses that you have to be uh, uh, have certain intelligence. Uh, you got to have a certain size. So that's why I love to tell the story of the uh, lion. So uh, it's the mentality. It's the mentality of respect that these other animals have for the lion. That's why the lion is considered the king of the jungle. It's definitely a great way of explaining that. And it's true in so many ways. Sure. Yes, it is. So going into that draft, um, you went in the first round and you went to Carolina. Now, if it wasn't for, for earlier pick, Carolina would have had you would have been the first first round pick by that franchise, but still an honour to be selected. But also by going in the first round, you became Fort Valley's first ever first round draft pick. One, what were your emotions? But did anyone in, from back from the college get back in touch with you once you were drafted to say, hey, well done, first round? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I had all of, all of my friends and family, um, coaches and all administrative uh, people from Fort Valley that wanted to attend because I had my draft pick, my draft uh, party actually in Georgia, uh, Atlanta, which is about two hours north of Fort Valley. So uh, if I was in the draft this day and age, I would be wherever they are holding the draft at because now what they do, they take the first round. But back when I came through, uh, it seemed like ages ago in 95, they only took the top 10 to New York. Now they take, they take the first round to wherever they are. Now, I want to say this about being drafted in the first round. No, I was not the first overall draft pick by the Carolina Panthers, but I was the first overall draft pick in that franchise history defensively. So Kerry Collins was the first overall pick of the Carolina Panthers history and the first ever overall offensive player selected. And I was the first overall ever in that franchise history uh, defensive selection. So just to get people to understand what that means to me, and as you spoke of how that felt to be drafted, but to find out that a team in its first existence, inaugural season, 1995, usually when you're going to build a team, you start with key pieces. Okay, the quarterback. We understand why they went after the quarterback. You got to get a franchise quarterback. Then the franchise says, okay, we want to win right now on defense. Now, they could have gone and gotten a defensive lineman. They could have gotten a linebacker. They could have gotten anybody on defense. But they said, this kid from Fort Valley State, Division Two, HBCU, we think he can help us win and we can use him as a cornerstone to build our defense around. So uh, that is what I look at when I look at Carolina. And also, Richard, they moved up 10 places from 32 to 22. So that says a lot as well about what they thought about me. And again, I, I just tried to invite as many people as I could to attend. And it was a big uh, momentum, uh, paradigm type of shifting in my family for my mom and dad to see 
you know, them crying and embracing. It was a magical, magical, magical moment. Yes, definitely. Is it's like what a lot of when when you're growing up and you're going through college, you know, be a sports that you you've got your choices. You've either got football, basketball, or hockey, and I believe, believe from what the stats say, more people get into your basketballs and your hockey and your baseball, but only so many make the NFL each year. So it's such a small window to make it, which is yeah, an achievement it is. in its end. It is. It's very small window, Richard. Very small window. And to come from a smaller college as well, it's even a more impressive stat to get there. Like I say, yeah, normally when you're Alabama's, you Clemson's, it's almost like, You'll get there. We're not sure what round, but to come from a smaller school definitely yeah. ranks up there. Yeah, it, it does. It ranks up there very high. And, you know, it opened doors for other uh, athletes uh, from smaller schools, uh, which there were athletes that opened the door for me. They opened the door for me uh, and got scouts to recognize. You know, you can go back and look at the early years of historical black colleges uh, even though back in the day, they really didn't have an option but to go to an HBCU because the PWIs, uh, which is predominantly white institutions, uh, and HBCU, which is historical black colleges and universities, most of uh, the athletes only had that choice was to go to the HBCUs. But still, there are HBCU stu- uh, athletes, student athletes that you see playing in the pros right now that come from very rich, history-rich colleges. So it's an honor to be a part of that generation and that history of HBCU athletes. Yeah, def- definitely something to have there. Going into your first pro game for the Panthers once the regular season came, was the Butterflies? Because obviously you start surfing from college, you played in the ball, but obviously then that first regular season game was this like, did you have to take a moment to think, this is it? Yeah, you know, really, when I go out there and play, I really don't notice the crowd. I get nervous regardless. I think if you don't get nervous for anything you do, then you probably need to stop doing it. Yeah. <laughs> or you probably need to check your post and see if you're still alive. So <laughs> I'm like, I don't care what it is. I think we all get nervous. And I got nervous before every game even though I played, even in my 12th year in the NFL, I still got nervous before games. So one thing I did not feel too much pressure from was going from a small school to the big stage where maybe we had uh, at the most maybe 7,000 people come and watch us play. And that's on homecoming. (laughs) Everybody comes back for homecoming. Um, and then going from 7,000 to about 70,000, 75,000, people would think, oh, man, that is a big, big difference. I know you got nervous. Again, like I said, really, I didn't because my focus was on the field in between the whites, the white line, and my focus was on my opponent. So, no, I really didn't have an opportunity to mentally look around so that fear could grip me or nervousness could overtake me to the point where I couldn't perform. Now, I did notice the crowd uh, after the game because if we won, they got loud, and if we lost, they booed. <laughs> I can imagine. I can totally imagine that. But 
such a feeling to get that first game done. And in that first season, it was obviously such, with it being a new franchise, like I say, you, yourself were drafting in the first round. Then obviously there was the expansion draft where they were able to pick up some players. Was there any leaders what had come from other franchises? Like I've said, Sam Mills was there when you went. Was that were they like the characters? What the young guys were looking to for a bit that like bit of league know how? Well, you know, Carolina and Jacksonville came in at the same uh, inaugural season, ninety five. Uh, the Panthers mentality, Bill Polian, uh, who was the GM who came from the Buffalo Bills, and he had done a tremendous job with the Buffalo Bills. Uh, everybody remembered them for losing all of those Super Bowls. That's unfortunate. But also the flip side to that, Richard, is the fact that so that is a peak of that accomplishment or ever add up to it. But unfortunately, they did lose all four times. So when Bill Polian came to Carolina, he had the same mentality. And his mentality was, his vision was, we're going to build this team around veterans. We're going to have more veterans than we do rookies. So I think we were able to get to the championship faster. Jacksonville, on the other hand, they elected to go with less veteran players and more younger guys. And they still made. So again, the formula for success, I think, basically is the mentality. But uh, yes, we had a very great inaugural season, beat the San Francisco 49ers who had won the Super Bowl previously. Uh, they had blown out the uh, San Diego Chargers and uh, the upstart Carolina Panthers. We go out there in San Francisco and beat them in their own home place. So that was a real big talk. But guys like Sam Mills, uh, Lamar Lathan, you know, we had uh, Mark Carrier, Willie Green. Uh, we had some, a lot of great guys. Greg Cragen played a stint of uh, some years with the Denver Broncos and a few Pittsburgh Steelers guys that Dom Capers, who was the uh, quarterback for the uh, Panthers, you know, he knew these guys and brought them in. And I think that's, you know, what helped us get to that championship game against the Green Bay Packers and one game away from the Super Bowl, I think the wisdom helped us get there. Yeah, that championship game against Green Bay, it could have gone either way, obviously. In the end, you eventually lost to Green Bay, who went on to win the Super Bowl. So, And I think there was many pundits saying whoever had won the NFC championship game would have won the Super Bowl because you were so evenly matched in how to have played. Yeah, so. and you know, Green Bay was a real good team. And I tell you what, playing up in Green Bay, they do, they do not call that place the frozen tundra for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, you go to Green Bay, Wisconsin in January, yes, you better have one about cold. But, you know, they were a real good team. Brett Favre, Dorsey Levins, you know, they had some real good guys. Uh, Keith Jackson. Uh, who played with the Oklahoma Sooners. You know, he was still playing at tight end. And, you know, they had a pretty good defense as well. And, uh, you know, those guys gave us a hard run for our money. And they went on, like you said, to uh, beat the uh, New England Patriots in the Super Bowl. So that very well could have been us. 
what kind of story would that have been? They would have been. But also, that could have also gone the other way because New England beat Jacksonville in the AFC Championship game. So it would have been a fairy tale if both new franchises, that would have been a first. Really would have been a first. It would have had people like wondering, okay, hold on. Did the NFL set this up? (laughs) (laughs) It would have been. All all these other places going, I want to start a team. If we can get there in a couple of years, I want a team. (laughs) Might have had like 40 teams in the league by now. Exactly. Um, another great your third season in Carolina yet again numbers wise you were happy with your season everything and then at the end of that season you were traded to Indianapolis was how did this sit because obviously you were really enjoying your time in Carolina or was it like you were was it a team decision or was it your personal decision you wanted to move on you know it's business it's business even in corporate America it's business uh Companies are always looking to try to better themselves. And just like sports teams, sports teams are companies and they're trying to better themselves. But in this situation with the Indianapolis Colts, Bill Polian, again, left Carolina to go to Indianapolis. And you see what he did up there. All those who know about the Indianapolis Colts, Peyton Manning, Adrian James, Marvin Harrison, and that great run that they had as a team over the years. Well, Bill Polian basically put that together and he brought me up there to be a part of it. So he traded for me uh, to go and follow him to Indianapolis. And uh, our first year, we were three and 13. And that was Peyton Manning's first year uh in the nfl and he started his rookie year so it was very tough for him but then we come back the second year and we go 13 and 3 so we went from 3 and 13 to 13 and 3 winning our division so again Polian, great insight great general manager yeah definitely great obviously that's at a time for people who probably who listen to the show now who have probably only got into NFL the last few years. Indianapolis used to play in the AFC East, so it wasn't always New England's division. Indiana gave it a good run when they were back in there. And you say about Peyton Manning being drafted in that first season, could you see the talent from day one with Peyton Manning that he was going to be as good as he was? You know, by him growing up in the football factory, in that football environment, of course, his dad, uh, Archie, played in the NFL. So you can kind of saw far from the tree. So he had the tutelage uh, in the house. Uh, and, of course, Eli. Eli came right behind. So uh, so you knew that he was going to be smart because he was going to have the IQ because of the fact he came from a football family. Uh, the physical and all that other stuff, you know, no one probably expected him to be as good as he became Peyton Manning uh, because Ryan Leaf also was a quarterback that people were looking at. He played college ball at Washington State. So it was either Ryan Leaf or Peyton Manning. And a lot of people were leaning towards Ryan Leaf because they thought he fit the prototypical quarterback. He was big, big arm. This is the guy we think is going to have more success. But Peyton, they underestimated the ability of the mind. And having just a family 
that can help support you. So I don't think a lot of people expect Peyton to be as good as he was. No, I get that from some stuff I read that, yeah, he was in the football family, but they want no, I don't think, some people didn't think he'd gone to be as great as he was. And obviously went on Super Bowl Indianapolis and in Denver in later years before retiring. Great quarterback. Now, throughout your career in college and the NFL, you've started games, very rare for you not to play, odd like knock or tumble. And in 20, 2001, you moved to Denver. But for that first season in Denver, you were a reserve squad player. So you weren't starting. And obviously, you get opportunities, but you want the good, the first man on the sheet in that position. How did that make you feel from going as someone who's always playing to being it's more of a team role, so you'll come on when you're needed? Yeah, actually, in that season there, I elected to not play that season uh, just for the simple fact that uh, – the family, uh, my son, my daughter actually had uh, just been born and I wanted to spend some time with, with the family. So sometimes you have to make that tough decision. But I was able to come right back uh, the year after uh, in 2002 and finish up my contract with the uh, Denver Broncos. And Mike Shanahan, I think he's a great, great coach. His son, Kyle Shanahan, is the head coach for the San Francisco yeah. 49ers. And I think Cal has done a great job in his young tenure as an NFL coach. And I'm pretty sure he got a lot of that from his dad, Mike Shanahan. So, <laughs> can, um, I, can yeah, imagine around I the table, like Thanksgiving and stuff, like mum and other mum and sister for all trying to eat and they're just sat there with clipboards going through players. <laughs> exactly, exactly, Richard. I think it kind of helps to have someone in the family that has done something that you're trying to do yourself. But, uh, but yeah, I had a great time out there with the Denver Broncos. What's it like um, in Denver, the alt- altitude? It's so high. What's the, um, like the air-like condition, but game time, because it's such a high stadium. Do you feel the effects? Well, yeah, you know what? I did not feel any effect. I think the offensive and defensive linemen, the bigger guys are the ones that really feel the difference in the altitude, uh, because we as smaller guys, when I say smaller guys, meaning we're not like humongous, like some of these offensive linemen, but we're more skill-like type players. So we're already in shape, should I say. Yes, we get tired, but we have an opportunity to condition our bodies throughout the season and throughout the week. So the altitude didn't really affect me uh, at all, I don't think. Uh, yes, I got tired, but I don't think I got tired to the point where I could not perform. Now, the altitude, I do believe, hinders the performance of these big offensive linemen. Now, those guys really don't do a lot of conditioning. Uh, if, I'm a head, you know, if, if I'm a head coach, I'm not going to make my offensive line you know, condition run 40 yards because when in a game do offensive linemen run 40 yards? Usually they're within a five-yard radius. So, again, I can understand why the altitude would mess with the offensive line and defensive line. Those are some big guys. You can imagine Coach sending for laps at training field on a Thursday. Come around to the game Sunday, like cat player coach. You've had me running all week. Exactly. So you came to the end of your contractual agreement in Denver and then New England came calling. And we could probably say... The rest is history of what happened 
in New England, but he joined a team who had not long since won a Super Bowl and there were already future Hall of Famers, Hall of Famers come in on that team. And it was, did you find that was the perfect fit for you at your time in your career? You know what? Now, I didn't know that we would win a Super Bowl back to back like we did, uh, like you alluded to. Uh, the Patriots did uh, win the Super Bowl in 2001, and then they got beat in the playoffs in 2002. So Belichick wanted to make some changes. And uh, so I was having a great year uh, that year in Denver. And I guess Bill Belichick wanted to play a lot of man-to-man. And that's basically the strength of my game is a man-to-man cover corner. So I think it was an easy fit uh, for myself to be a part of that organization. So, again, I love my time uh, with the New England Patriots. And in my first year there, I had no thought that we would win the Super Bowl and then come back again and win it the next year. So back-to-back Super Bowls. Yeah, it was that first season. New England obviously went 14-2. and And the names on the defensive side, literally, you you could put a case for all of all of you to be in the Hall of Fame of how the the, the defense just stopped teams playing. Teams who you'd expect to score loads of points, just the man to man. What you mentioned there, I think Bill had you all in man to man roles throughout the games, especially yourself at cornerback. Yeah, mm-hmm. and Bill's a very 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 smart coach. Um, I think he's one of the best coaches uh, to ever coach in the NFL, especially up under today's uh, scenarios. Uh, back in the 70s and 80s, players pretty much stayed with the team almost their whole career. But in this day and age of football or sports, guys may play one year, two years, and then after that, they're gone So to another team. So for Bill to continue to put competitive teams out there year in and year out, says a lot about his uh, coaching ability. Yeah. How Also, with that Super Bowl, how did it feel? Because it sort of came full circle for you, didn't it? Because obviously Carolina brought you into the league. So was that another quite special moment for you as well? Uh, yeah, it was kind of, um, uh, you know, special, uh, bittersweet, so to speak, uh, because I remember when we – First had our team meeting as the Carolina Panthers franchise. And Mr. Richardson at the time, who was the owner at the time, said that he had a 10-year plan to get the Carolina Panthers into a Super Bowl. And from 1995, and we played them in 2003, he was almost right, <laughs> uh, you know, that it was he had a 10-year plan. But to see those guys and play against those guys, you know, guys that I actually saw when I was there were still there, you know, whether they were playing or they were now in the administration part but of the uh, football team. But uh, it was a very, very intriguing moment. Here I am playing with the New England Patriots, who this is now who I play for, versus a team that brought me into the NFL so it's like, man, uh, how do you handle something like that? But, you know, I made it through it. 
And uh, once that ball was kicked off, you know, all the emotions kind of went out the window. Yeah, definitely. Um, that second Super Bowl season against Philly, obviously quite, you see, you had a few injury problems that season, which obviously took you out, I think about week six, I think initially you went out, came back towards the end of the regular, sort of tweaked it and kept you out of that second game. But obviously, was that, how did that feel being not able to be in that Super Bowl there as a starter? Yeah, well, when we first started the season, uh, it was myself and, of course, Ty Law. Uh, we were starting corners, and then uh, I think he got hurt, and then I ended up getting hurt. <laughs> so both of us are sitting on the sideline. Uh, but, you know, again, Bill, give him credit. He has selected people through the draft that was able to step in. So it's almost like next man up. And that's truly what football is. Next man up. You have to always be ready because you never know what will happen to the person in front of you. So so our guys, the younger guys, Randall Gay and uh, Sachi Samuel, they were ready. They were ready. And they stepped in. And, man, the train kept moving, as they said. Yeah, it was a very special period in New England and your career at that time. After the season, obviously, in New England, it was time for a change and you went to Oakland. And again, you were involved in a few games, not always starting them. And then after that, spells in Houston and another spell in Denver and Tennessee, where game time and stuff and injuries were starting, starting to creep up a little bit. Was the thoughts in yourself at that point of thinking... It might be coming towards the end now for me. Well, you know what? Actually, when you say end, I actually messed myself up. Uh, when I say messed myself up, I think I could have played uh, several, several more years. But sometimes as a player, your pride steps in. And when a team asks you to do something that you have never done or you see yourself as a as a starter and not a backup or a special teams player, sometimes that could cloud your understanding that, hey, you know what? The cream always rises to the top. Meaning, even if they have someone that they're trying to place in front of me, if I go out and I work my thing, then I'm going to be a starter. So I think with that being said, if I had understood it back then what I know now, I would have just went out there and played ball and just let my talent speak for itself. Yeah, definitely. In we'll go back to the New England locker room. Um, obviously, you'd played with Peyton Manning in Indiana as a young quarterback coming through. Obviously, there was a said another young quarterback in New England. How did you obviously there's been a lot of comparisons over the years, and there's not many people who've played with both. And was this similarities in their play, but obviously what if you were to say, what could you see different in the games of how they both played? Um, you know what? Competitive. Both were competitive. Uh, both were smart. Um, both were non-athletic, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> Meaning speed-wise, but they were athletic enough to throw at football. But, um, yeah, I, I, there's some great similarities in the Greatest similarity, I would say, is just 
be, be competitive. Yeah, definitely both show that. Obviously, after retirement, obviously a lot of players sometimes go straight into coaching or stuff. How did you find it going from playing to then not playing? Did it take some time to adjust? Well, it did as far as me missing the game. Uh, I did not go to a football game for at least about 10 years, after, about, about eight years after I retired uh, because it was just playing hard to yeah. go back into a stadium, uh, something that you used to do, and you know that you still have talent, but you're not doing that, which you are gifted to do. So it took me a little, little while to kind of get over that, but finally I was able to get over it and took my kids to several football games. Yeah, it's, I can imagine it's really hard. I say you, you've grew up, that's all you've done all your life from a kid college and then there's a professional to then it started to stop it must be really hard um going on your position in cornerback how do you think currently that position is nowadays in the modern game because there's so many cornerbacks out there with different styles of how to play it so if you were playing now who would you sort of say are the guys who you'd think we are the best we are the cornerbacks of the league well, you know, one thing about playing defensive back, uh, what I've learned, <laughs> you don't have to necessarily have a height. What you need to have is foot speed, change of direction, and you need to have a little bit of strength. Uh, but if you can change direction, I think that will help you more than anything. Yeah, I think there's definitely, they say, you don't have to be the biggest. And I think it's proven, I think the cornerbacks are actually getting smaller as the years are going on now, but yet they've got the speed. But that might be, like you say, down to doing track in college as well to keep the speed and the agility to be moving around, which is quite yeah. possible. Quite possible. So just a couple more before I let you go today. How do you feel, obviously, if your previous teams you've played for, how do you see going into the new season? There's obviously a lot of changes again in the league. Not another game, teams are in rebuild mode. So like of your Carolinas and your New England, how are you... Finding going in Carolina brought in Donald obviously from New York. They've got McCaffrey back fit, and there's been a bit of a change in the guard with Drew Brees retiring in the South. And then obviously in the East with New England, it seems all the teams were up in the game, and it's going to be interesting. Yeah. Well, you know, it's 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 one of those situations where um, you know you just take take what comes. And you just roll with it. Um, you know, I'm going to say this, Richard. Uh, when I just look back, a lot of guys, when they uh, stop playing, they really don't have anything to transition to. And I think because I had my kids, uh, yeah, I started coaching my kids in sports. And uh, I think I found new life in them, giving back to them the mental, uh, the physical of what I learned. So I think I was probably more excited working with them. And I think that helped me uh, as an athlete to make a transition for life after, after uh, football. Yeah. And that, that's a really good story. That, and you've been able to now carry on your passion with your children, which is great. Mm -hmm. so, um, 
I'd just like to say, Tara, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on tonight and give up some of your time to chat about moments in your career and some special times. And obviously, I can imagine you'd do it all again if you could. Yes, I would. Definitely would. Definitely would. Maybe there are a few things I would change up, but I definitely, definitely would play the game again. Would you be defensive I, back again? I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Would you fancy your position change or would you go the same again? Yes. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for your time tonight. It's been an absolute pleasure. All right. Thank you, Richard. Thank you for having me on your show. Thank you. No, thank you very much, Tyrone. Have a good evening. Do the same, Richard. Thank, thank you. you. Have a great rest of your day, rest of your tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much. Okay. See you later. All right. Bye-bye. Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network.